But I think sometimes people, like with the Happiness Project, people are like, I really want to do this, but my partner isn't excited. I'm like, my partner's never been excited. My husband has never (laughs) done one thing. He's not interested at all. That's not the guy I married. I don't have to wait for him to get on board. Why would I frustrate myself in him? It's not his thing. Does he benefit from it? 100%. Would he tell you that? Absolutely. I believe that each and every one of us has the power within ourselves to create the life that we really want. And I want to help give you the tools to make that happen. I'm Danica Patrick, and I'm Pretty Intense. I mean, what could be better than having someone on the show that wrote a book called The Happiness Project? (laughs) I mean, don't we all want to be happier? Now, I'm going to bum you out by saying that there's no magic. There's no magic formula to it um, other than the fact that it's all right there and it's about figuring it out yourself, which, you know, sometimes the truth uh, is not always what we want to hear, but the truth is still the truth. And it doesn't mean that there's not something that you can't, there's of course something that you can do with that. And so knowing that it's within your power means, you know, get your butt in gear and figure out what really makes you happy. Uh, Her name is Gretchen Rubin. She's an author. Uh, She also authored another book called The Four Tendencies. Uh, I took the test and I'm not going to lie. I was totally surprised uh, that I was not a rebel and I was not a, a, a questioner. Uh, the four tendencies are upholder, obliger, questioner, and rebel. And look, the two that I thought I was, I wasn't. So it turns out I'm an upholder. Um, but anyway, uh, you can take the test yourself on her website. Um, millions of people already have, but I just love learning about people and, and of course myself too, but how we relate to each other. And sometimes when you learn about people's tendencies, like let's say you're, you, you're with a questioner, they've taken this test now when they question you they're not really questioning you they're just being themselves and asking questions so these coping mechanisms are just at least understandings can create so much more empathy in our lives which then will of course um, not make us feel offended and will then bring us more happiness so we talked about uh, a long list of things but a lot of it has to just do with you know uh, you know the human nature and uh, the things and tips that have helped each of us be, be happier or learn more about ourselves um, and then we finish off with the secrets of adulthood which uh, she has many more than what I listed but I, I wrote down my favorite five and we talked about them um, and I just think that uh, I think that it, life is not as complicated as we make it and it's not as big of a deal as we make it and it's It's really just about finding happiness along the way. Her new book out is called Outer Order, Inner Calm. You can pick that up uh, anywhere you find books, along with all of her other fantastic books, The Four Tendencies, Happiness Project, and many more. So uh, enjoy today's episode. It's growth, right? Which I found out is your word of the year. Is this true? Or am I looking at, or am I I reading of three-year-old data? No, it is. That was my year for 2019, my word for 2019. Mine too. Is it really? Yep. Do you pick a word every year? Yeah, I have for about five or six years. Oh, what have your other words been? Um, confidence. Um, uh, um, what was my one last year? Uh, truth. Mm. That was a big year. 17 was a big year with truth. Mm. Um, open was last year. Mm. And this year is growth. And have you thought about 2020 so, yet? No, not yet. I'm picking a really boring word, but it's very tied to growth, which is infrastructure. Okay. I need more infrastructure. I want to hear more about growth, though. Yeah. I mean, we're kind of coming to a close. Like, how has your word gone? First um, off, why do you have a word of the year? Um, I pick, I've picked a word of the year for a very long time just because um, 
I feel like it, it's clarifying to have like one thing that you're thinking about and just sort of keep, keep it uppermost and by having something very distilled forces me to really think about what is my top, what, what, it was, what is it that I really want to focus on and I can keep it. How often do you actually think about your word of the year? Growth, I think about all the time. Uh, you know, all my words, I think I think about all the time. I had the word delegate one year, then I think about delegate all the time. I'm very bad at delegating. So that's more of an aspirational word. Um, but I have done more delegating. Um, but no, I think about it a lot, and I have it like on my bulletin board. I've heard of people doing funny things like, you know, putting, you know, getting jewelry with their word or using as their, yeah. on their screensaver or something like that so that they're constantly reminded of it. Mm-hmm. How often do you think about your word, since we have the same word? Yeah, uh, I think about it, I, I think, I, to answer that question first, I think about it mm, maybe once a week, uh-huh. right? Like consciously thinking, yeah. oh yeah, that's my right. word of the year. Yeah. Maybe more, maybe once every other week even. Yeah. But now, I do believe it has become more of an integrated mindset, mm-hmm. which comes just from the repetition. Yes. Yeah, I think the repetition is really helpful. What it's has, just something very, yeah. very concise that just sort of says it all. Yeah. 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 What, um, what, have, uh, what, what has helped you? What, have you? what choices have you made based on your word? Um, I have like, I switched from, I switched like my, my, uh, my email provider because mm-hmm. I thought it would help me grow, which it has. Um, I have just been very focused on doing things to try to, you know, grow in all ways. Next year, I'm trying something where each quarter I'm going to focus on one area because I felt like I was a little bit scattershot. Like I was trying to grow in all areas at all times. Mm. And I think maybe it would be better to be like, I'm really going to double down on this and just like, like throw everything at this one aim and not worry about everything all the time and then move on. And that way I can identify and then really like, gear up and focus on it and push things forward because sometimes it's like I feel like I have so many balls in the air I really which is not my nature my nature is to do one thing at a time and so I feel like sometimes it dissipates my energy and my focus and keeps me from growing I want to grow in all directions but maybe I need to do it um, in sequence rather than all at one time so picking an area to grow Right, so for three almost, months, and then and then it's also like okay. by that time you're probably like sort of done what you can do at this point, and then right. I'll move on to something different. Yeah. Right, it's almost like the happiness project yes. done quarterly. Yes, that's a good point. I'm very systematic, very true. And then it's like I'll check the box off, and I'll feel so good. That's well, exactly I've right. also I also loved uh, that I read that if you put it on a list, that happens yeah. and. My girlfriends and I have this complete theory that we came up with it when we were drinking one night because, well, actually it was from drinking. We're putting it in our calendars. We're going here this yeah. day next week. And then the day came and we actually did it. And we're like, wow, that, that oh, happened. wow, it happened. I guess all you have to do is put it in your phone because yeah. it's one thing to theorize about all yeah. the fun things you want to do and yes. you're having some wine. It's another thing to actually execute. But there was yeah. some magic. Yes. Putting it down in our phones or putting it on paper absolutely, to make it happen. Yeah, yeah, that whole, we should get lunch sometime. It's like, yeah, we're not going to get lunch. It's, <laughs> it's got to be on the calendar. But if it was in your calendar. Then you'd show up. It would most definitely happen. Um, so I took your tenancy test today. Excellent, yes. And I totally thought that I would be either a rebel uh-huh. or I thought I would be a questioner. Uh-huh. Turns out... I am an upholder. Interesting. Well, that's what I am too. Really? But you know, the funny thing is it's a pretty small group. 
we're kind of an extreme fringe personality. Rebel yeah, what is, is the, the breakdown? Rebel is the smallest, and Upholder is just a little bit bigger. The biggest one for both men and women is Obliger. That's like you either are an Obliger or you have many Obligers in your life. They're a big tendency. And then Questioner is, is, not, as, is, is not as big, but it's, there's a lot of people who are Questioners. Um, so yeah, you and I are kind of part of the freaky fringe. Interesting. But don't you sort of feel like you're not like most people? Or like, do you, of like course. A lot, of, yeah. a lot of times when upholders get together, they're like, why can't other people get their stuff done? Like, this is just get it together. Yeah, this is the Come thing. Come on, let's go. That's the thing that upholders are always saying to each other. And yeah, questioners are all feeling like, why is it everybody's just such lemmings? Like, they just go along with anything. Like, what is their problem? Like, they're conf every, every tendency is confused by the other tendencies. They're like, what is up? How did you come up with this? You know, it was a very ordinary comment that a friend of mine made. She said to me, because <clears throat> I am, my sister calls me a happiness bully, and I will kind of like get in people's face. I'm a workout bully, so yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, it's good know to how, know that you know we have, is, you know, maybe it has to do with it. our tendencies. Probably, <laughs> upholders, yeah, are always trying to like chivvy people along. Um, and so I was asking her about her habits and her happiness, and she said, well, the thing about me is I know I would be happier if I exercised. And the weird thing is when I was in high school, I was on the track team, and I never missed track practice. So why can't I go running now? And I thought, well, why? I mean, what's the difference? At one time it was effortless, and now she can't do it. How do you explain that? Mm -hmm. So I, you could generate 10 different hypotheses about why that might have been. And I was like, but I want to figure out like what is really making the difference. And so I started really thinking about that. And then I started noticing other patterns. Like there's a certain number of people that if you say, how do you feel about New Year's resolutions? Because I wrote a book, Better Than Before, all about habit change. And so I was always asking people about New Year's resolutions because it's a good way to get an insight into how they view yeah. habits. And a big group of people would say to me, like in exactly the same words, they would say, I would make a resolution whenever it made sense. I would not wait for January 1st because January 1st is an arbitrary date. And they use that word arbitrary. And I thought, the arbitrariness of it never really bothered me. I don't really care that it's arbitrary, but clearly for some people that's very distressing. Mm -hmm. And so I started trying to figure out how do you explain these patterns and why people did things or didn't do certain things. And after just a huge amount of thought, I got to the four tendencies and understanding that it's really this idea of expectation, of meeting outer expectations and meeting inner expectations that makes the difference. Was there studies? Well, you know, since I just did it observationally, this is just like, I'm more like, you know, like Montaigne or, Lafayette or Samuel Johnson. Like, I just observe this in the world. I think it's very obvious once you know it. Like, I can do the Game of Thrones characters. I can do Parks and Recreation. I can tell you like 15 different movies that, you know, and people, I can predict what people are pretty consistently. And I can also predict how they will behave in the future and like what they experienced in the past. So I think it's very stable. That's and, being a psychic, by the way. Well, no, no, it's because these things are such patterns. We're like, yeah. I'm so idiosyncratic. No one's ever seen anyone like me. And I'm like, okay, literally, like that. there's a paragraph in my book talking about how often this comes up. Um, but somebody is doing studies, and I'm and other people keep saying that they are going to study it. I just don't have the wherewithal to like run an actual scientific study to mm -hmm. test the, you know, the personality sure. prediction of it. Well, yeah. it resonates. I mean, at the end of well, the day... Well, it's a tool. The if it's true, a useful tool. Yeah. The true test is like, does it resonate with you? Does yes. it make sense? And it can help you does figure help out you? how to make change. Because I'm sure you've seen this too. Is like, sometimes people, they're desperate to make a change, but they don't, under, they're just throwing spaghetti against the wall. They don't understand, like, should I take a class? Right. Should I not Next take step. a class? Should I do it in the morning? Should I do it at night? You know, they're just like trying random stuff. And I'm like, okay, this will tell you 
what is likely to work with you? And if you're having a challenge, what's likely to fix, address it? Yeah, where, where do you see this showing up as being really helpful? Like, how does this help in a relationship? How does this help it? Does it work? <clears throat> and like, what is the, what is the, why should everyone know their tendency and well, know other people's the tendency? tendencies really quick? Actually, that'd be great. Yeah, okay. absolutely. I yeah, mean, yeah. I'm taking it for granted right yeah, now because yeah, yeah, I've yeah, taken yeah, the test yeah, and yeah, I've yeah, read yeah. about them. You know them. what it is, but okay. So there's upholders, questioners, obligers, and rebels. So we're both upholders. That's pretty unusual. There's not that many upholders, so this is fun. Um, so what it is, it's how you meet outer expectations and inner expectations. So outer expectations are things like a work deadline or a request from a friend. And then inner expectations are like my own desire to keep a New Year's resolution, my own desire to get back into practicing guitar. So um, depending on how you meet outer and inner, that's what determines the tendency. So upholders readily meet outer and inner. They, they meet the work deadline, they keep the New Year's resolution without much fuss. They want to know what others expect from them, but what they expect for themselves are just as important. So their motto is, discipline is my freedom. Then questioners. Questioners question all expectations. They'll do something if they think it makes sense. So they hate anything arbitrary or inefficient or unjustified. Mm. Anything that meets their inner standard, they will do no problem. But if it fails their inner standard, they'll push back. Mm -hmm. So their motto is, I'll comply if you convince me why. Then there are obligers, like my friend on the track team. Obligers readily meet outer expectations, but they struggle to meet inner. Mm. So... Um, when there's a team and a coach waiting for somebody, she shows up no problem. When she's going on her own, it's a struggle. And the thing about obligers is if they want to meet an inner expectation, they have to create some form of outer accountability. Got it. If I want to exercise, i got to work out with a trainer. If I want to read more, i got to join a book group. That's what works. Okay. So their motto is, you can count on me, and I'm counting on you to count on me. And then finally, mm. rebels resist all expectations, outer and inner alike. Totally. They, yeah, they want to do what they want to do in their own way, in their own time. They can do anything they want to do, anything they choose to do. They often love a challenge. But if you ask or tell them to do something, they're very likely to resist. And typically, they don't tell themselves what to do. Like, they won't decide that they're going to take a 10 a.m. spin class every Saturday because mm. they're like, I don't know what I want to want to do on Saturday. Oh, that's why I'm not a rebel then. Yeah, okay. Right, because they're like, I want to just wake up and see how I feel. And the fact that somebody's expecting me to show up is just going to annoy me. So their motto is, you can't make me, and neither can I. Mm. So those are the four. Mm -hmm. um, yes, it, it's so cool how you identify with them. It reminds me very much of like uh, five love languages or something yeah, yeah, like yeah. that, where you yeah. really strongly <clears throat> identify with one. Right. Um, well, and usually people can tell what they are just from a very brief description. But I do have this quiz, the quiz you took at quiz.gretchenrubin.com. Yep. Like two and a half million people have taken the quiz now. Yeah. Um, so and there half is a million quiz. one now and yeah, two, yeah, three, yeah, four yeah. based on today. Yes. But, um, but like I say, a lot of times if you hear the description, you're like one really fits much better than the others. Yeah. And, and take the test because I was surprised I was an upholder. I totally thought I was a questioner or a rebel. So it was very interesting that, I mean, of course, I read all questions, answers, like very honest about my answers. I'm like, hey, I guess I'm an upholder, and I didn't realize well, that. Well, I think sometimes people like certain words or certain, you know. Ideas. It's interesting with rebel because some people say to me, like, oh, you can't call it rebel because everybody's going to want to say they're a rebel. And then other people are like, why would you use the word rebel? No one's going to want to identify as a rebel. And I'm right. like, interesting. That's a little Rorschach test right there. Right. How, uh, how does it, I mean, how does it affect your life? How does it? Oh, great. Right, to your yeah. question of how yeah. does it help. Well, one of the things is you can understand like why people are behaving in a different way or how or, or, or 
why you just like can't figure out what their deal is. Like, as an upholder, and maybe you've experienced this, my view is like, I want to do my work in my own way. You can do your work in your own way. As long as we get where we're going, it doesn't matter. I don't want to be your babysitter. I don't want to look over your shoulder. I don't want to tell you how to do your own business. Like, let's just, let's just, let's just get on with do it. Do your job. Move on. Okay, but so I was working with somebody who I found out was an obliger. And I found out that she was very resentful of the fact that I sent email. I send emails in the middle of the night, five in the morning, Christmas Day, because I just, when I think of it, I want to just send it. That's yeah. how I work. And I'm like, you can answer it whenever you like. I'm not telling you, you have to answer it. It's mm -hmm. just like, do your work in your way. And I'll do my work in my way. <clears throat> but she felt like I wasn't respecting the work day and that it was Ooh. creeping into her leisure and um, resentment was building. And the fact is now I know as an obliger, when she sees this, this creates an outer expectation that she would respond. It's very hard for her to resist that. She feels very uncomfortable with that pressure. As an upholder, I would just ignore that um, if I felt like it. Um, but for her, it was really, it was not, it was uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. So it's like, okay, do we have to have a big argument? Do we have to like, does she have to do it my way? Do I have to do it her way? Do we have to go to HR and have some <laughs> kind of policy? No, it's just now I use delay delivery on Outlook and she gets... 10 emails from me every Monday morning at 7.30 a.m. Because it's like once I understand, I'm like, you feel the way you do, and I feel the way I do. And neither one of us is right, neither one of us is wrong. It's just that we experience the world in a different way. Yeah. Or like questioners, a lot of times people are like, oh my gosh, why do you ask so many questions? Like too much, like who cares? Everybody's agreed to this format, let's move on. And the questioner's like, why are we doing this way? Why does this make sense? Why are we listening to corporate? Like, mm -hmm. why am I listening to you? If you understand, they're not questioning your judgment. They're not undermining authority. They're not being obstructionist. They just need to understand why. Once they under, they just need to have their questions answered. There's no, they're like this with everybody. It's not about this relationship. Right. And so it takes a lot of the sting out of it. A lot of times people yeah. feel much more like, okay, well, maybe it's a little bit annoying, but I don't feel attacked. Yeah, I, I feel like just understanding people's tendencies. Yes. It's almost like knowing someone's family, right? Like yes. I use this as an example. If you yes. know somebody's mom and dad, you can go, oh yeah, got I get it. it. That's yeah, why yeah, you do yeah, that. Yeah. And it's an explanation, yes. not and an the, excuse. And then you have so much more forbearance because you're like, okay, I get more it. More empathy, like, yeah. more understanding, yes. more patience, yes. which leads to a happier existence. Well, and then you also understand what other people are bringing to the table. So for like upholders, a lot of times with questioners, we're like, we don't need to answer all these questions. Let's, let's let's get going. But now, like, I'm married to a questioner, and I realize it's so valuable because a lot of times they'll be like, why would you do that? And I'm like, why would I do that? Like, I don't have to do that. Yeah. So he saves me from work, or, like, he helps me decide, like, <clears throat> is something worth my time? Yeah, I can do yeah. it, but do I even need to bother doing it? Huh. Um, or, like, obligers. You know, obligers are great to have around. They are the people that go the extra mile. Yeah. And um, to recognize how valuable they are to teams as leaders. Yeah. And then rebels are the ones that could just completely see outside the box. Mm -hmm. They can blow it up. Yeah. Now that can be hard to manage sometimes, but it can also be enormously valuable. Yeah. I think I had an exact scenario with, uh, I think I'm dating a questioner. Because oh, there was a question about my schedule and something that I was doing. And I was like, why are you questioning me? And, yes, it can and like, feel. Why are, yeah, I'm like, why are you questioning? feel undermining. Totally felt mm -hmm. undermining. Like I was not 
like I didn't know my job well enough. Like yes. I didn't know what I was doing. Like yes. I didn't do my due diligence. Yes. yes. And it can so make you very defensive. Very. I got defensive. I'm like, I know I'm getting a little defensive, but I feel like I'm being questioned for yeah. my like the ability to be detail oriented yeah. at all, yeah. or even just yes. like delegate. So yes. I felt like yeah. I was like, I delegated these people yes. to plan this week for me. Yes. And now you're questioning. Yes. It makes me question myself yes. that I do a bad job. Yes. And. All I'm doing is upholding the schedule yeah. and upholding, I'm just, yeah. I said I wanted to come to media yeah. and then media got scheduled. So I'm upholding both yeah, ends. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so I totally was offended. Yes. And, but of course it was, you know, it gets muddled up and yes. this questioning that yes. feels so hurtful. Yes. Um, and can be very draining too. Yeah. yeah. Cause so you I, sort of feel like you're on the stand in a way, forced to kind of like explain all the decisions that you made. So part of it is just to be like, so I, what I say to my husband sometimes is I say questions without answers, meaning like, you know what? I'm just, I'm not going to answer questions anymore. You can do that. And the funny thing about questioners is often they don't like to answer questions. I don't know. This is oh. not all questioners are like this, but mm. you can. Yeah, my, I'd say like, that's probably true. <laughs> he won't answer questions. If I don't actually have to know the answer, he will not answer a question. It is, and this is a very widespread pattern it's among totally questioners. True. And it's super annoying and ironic. It is. And yet it's the thing. And again, I'm like, I, I, I used to really take it personally and be like, I would think that he was sort of jerking my chain just to kind of annoy me on purpose because he thought it was funny or something. And now I just know he's like this with everybody. Yeah. It's not aimed at me. Yeah. It might be annoying, but I don't have to take it personally. And well, also, now, I can just kind of laugh at it. Now yeah. we call it um, N2K. That's need to know basis only. Because I'm like, what time are we going to brunch? And he won't <laughs> tell me. And I'm like, is this N2K? That's so him. Like he didn't, right? like, I'm like, what are we doing? He's like, I don't know. Well, See, this is, on. I'm like, I know you know. Yeah. I know you have a plan. Yeah. Why won't you tell I'm me? like, yeah, this trip had to it have been planned. I know you just told me like a day it ago. It is the and... weirdest thing. I have talked to questioners about Part of it is they don't like to be questioned because they feel like I am so thorough. No one should question my judgment. And part of it is like they, they because they have thought everything through, they just find it tiresome to have to do it. I think my husband, though, once he's made up his mind how he wants it to go, that's what he wants, and he doesn't want to open it up to challenge, which he knows that if I knew it, then I could maybe have, you know, want to... So I think a little bit of it is kind of like, I've come up with the final and best answer to this, yeah. and so I'm not taking uh, comments yeah. from the audience anymore. But it is, now I have a lot more sense of humor, and it also makes me feel good to know it's a common thing. Like, it's not just like... Yeah. You're like, what's this weird guy? It's I mean, like, this is this the true is beta thing. test. This is, this is your test, by the way. This is the testing, like, right? You know, I said, have you done any kind of scientific research? Was yeah, there a study? Yeah. This is the study. Well, it's anecdata. But it's very, but the thing is, these patterns are very consistent. Yeah. It's funny. It's like um, you see things like rebels, um, often when they apply to school, they'll only apply to one school. Hmm. It's like, that's kind of odd, hmm. but there it is. It hmm. comes up over and over again. Hmm. Or I was just saying, rebels are off, rebel children are often unusually close to their grandparents, because I think it's like unconditional love. It's the love of a fam of its family love, but without the expectations that parents have. Oh. And so that's something that you can really, oh, if you yeah. if you have a rebel child, you could be like, huh. well, maybe I want to maybe I want to facilitate more relationships with grandparents. Maybe that'd be a good way for them to connect with their family if they're wow. pulling back from me. Is this all in the book? Like yeah, all these examples yeah, and yeah, stuff? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because there's all these very, um, yeah. very kind of unexpected patterns, but then once you see them, they're they're very clear. Yeah. 
Well, that's fantastic. I just, I just love understanding human nature better yes. and just being able to understand because yes. it, it's already challenging. So the more we can do to understand yes. each other, yes. um, because it's hard enough to understand yourself. Right? It is. It's hard enough to just know yourself, yes. let alone someone else. So the yes. more resources we have to understanding tendencies and characteristics and personalities and you know what people are all about and ma what makes them up yeah. that is just kind of there and and i and i it's you believe that this is totally a genetic thing that you're born with right? i really do believe in the genetic roots of personality um i just that's my own yeah. belief and so i think this is wired now obviously with time and experience yeah. and culture it would affect yeah. it like if you're a questioner and you're born in north korea you're gonna shut that down. <laughs> but you know, if you're in Silicon Valley, it could be your greatest asset. Right. And so it depends. And I think over time, it's like questioners, going back to questioners, like questioner children are often, can be seen as very disrespectful um, and sassy. Yeah. Um, but then often questioners will learn how to be more constructive and how mm. to, with experience, they learn how to ask questions in a way that doesn't, that doesn't get under other people's skin because they've learned how to work with their tendency. But it's not that they're not still questioners. Or like obligers. Sometimes obligers are like, oh, I wasn't obliger, but now I'm an upholder. And I'm like, no, you know what I think has happened? I think that you've intuited that you need outer accountability to meet inner expectations. And I bet if I looked at everything, and what it always does, it's like, oh, yeah, I eat healthy now that I'm on Weight Watchers. And I work out with a trainer. And now I read because I have a book group. And I walk all the time because I have a dog. And, oh, my friends and I meet every Wednesday. I mean, I'm like, you figured it out. You figured it out, but so not, you everyone, feel like not an, everyone figures it out, But though. you feel like an upholder because you're meeting all the answers yourself. Right. And that's the thing. You feel like an upholder, so fine. Yeah. But the thing is, some people don't figure it out, and that's why it's nice to yeah. just tell yeah. them what the yeah. pattern is because then they don't have to just, like, hit or miss. They figure it just, out in 15 years. Right. It's just figure like, it out okay, now. You figure it out right now. And sometimes yeah. they're like, but I want to change. I want to learn to put myself first and make time for self-care. I'm like, oh, you won't do that. I mean, <laughs> or if you could, it would take so much inner well, work. No. Do the quick, easy fix. You say no, that it won't, you won't have time for self-care, but that leads me to the self, which is, you know, like, like I said, it's hard enough to know someone else, let alone, like yeah. it's hard enough to know yourself, let alone someone else. So like the happiness project feels like a total self-care project. Oh, but see, upholders don't have trouble with self-care because it's an inner expectation. So it's like, you're, I'm sure if you're an upholder, you're like, yeah. I'm sorry, I got to work out. Or like, yeah. oh, we've got company, but I got to go for a run. Or you know what? I just, I feel like I just need to take an hour and read on the sofa. That is not hard. It's obligers. Whenever people are talking about having trouble with self-care, that is a big tip off that someone is an obliger. Because upholders, questioners, and rebels all get that in their own way. Got it. But for obligers, it's hard because the yeah. outer expectation will always push it aside. Win. And so they need to do things mm -hmm. like... Arrange, figure out ways to get outer accountability, even for something like getting a massage or yeah. you know doing something yeah. that's fun, because they won't meet it in their expectation unless there's outer accountability for it. Mm. So they have to, it, which sounds yeah. funny. Like somebody I know was in an accountability group, um, you know, just to like go to the movies in the afternoon. And I'm like, if you're an obliger, that could very well be necessary. I think she's really smart to get herself accountability. If that's what she wants to do for fun, mm -hmm. why should she be doing laundry 24 hours a day on the weekends? You know, go to a movie. Some, if you've got to have a friend, a friend tell you, it's you've got to go to the movie. It's like, that's fine. Whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. So what did it, uh, how did you get the idea for the happiness project? I love this concept. Oh yeah. Well I, ha well, I am very systematic, as you pointed out, but I was on a very crowded city bus here in Manhattan 
um, stuck in the pouring rain, so we're going very slowly. And I looked out the window and I had one of those opportunities for reflection. And I thought, what do I want from life anyway? And I thought, I want to be happy. Mm. But I realized I didn't spend any time thinking about whether I was happy. Mm. How, or, how old were you? Uh, this was like 12 years ago. Okay. Um, and uh, how I could be happier. So I decided I should have a happiness project. And the, that was the phrase that came to me. And so I ran to the library, got a giant stack of books, like ancient philosophy and contemporary oh. science and pop culture and everything about how to be happy. And I was like, can you make yourself happier? What would you do to make yourself happier? Like, what's So I started reading and I got so excited. I was like, okay, I'm really going to do this. And then it just sort of got bigger and bigger and bigger until finally I was like, wow, maybe this could be my next book project. Because it just, it felt like it was going to take a lot of time to sort of or, like do everything that I wanted to do. And basically the subject of happiness and human nature has been so fascinating that ever since then I've just been sort of going. And, so I wrote a book about habits because obviously habits have a really important role to play. Right. The four tendencies I, I just stumbled upon. I wrote a little book called Outer Order, Inner Calm because for most people, not everybody. That's your newest book. Yeah. For most people, Outer Order contributes to Inner Calm. So it's like kind of funny. Like why does so many people feel that? It's sort of like in the context of a happy life, a crowded coat closet doesn't seem like a big deal. And yet you clean out your coat closet and you feel like, oh my, you know, yeah, my life true. has changed. A friend of mine said, I finally cleaned out my fridge and now I know I can switch careers. And I was like, I know exactly how that feels. So it just seemed funny to me. So I decided to write a little book about that. So, mm. so but the happiness project was me just sort of fig trying to figure out so each month, what are the big... each month you had a different goal, yes. similar to what you're saying you should do with your word of the year, but you're talking about doing that a little bit more like quarterly, yeah, seasonally, more work. Let's call yeah, it. Yeah. Oh, seasonally, I like that. That's more. That's more pleasant than quarterly. <laughs> um, yeah. So like um, January was the month of energy because I thought, well, if I have more energy, everything to follow will be easier. Because a lot of times you know perfectly well you should do something and it would make you happy. But you're just, you're like too tired to do anything except like, mm -hmm. the thing that I always do when I'm really, what did you do for when energy? I'm tired is I um, reread magazines I've already read. Um, That's what you did if you were tired. No, like if I'm energy? really tired, like I think now people like scroll through Instagram yes. too, you know, sweeping. it's just like you're kind of in that hypnotic, like you really should go to bed, but yeah. you're like, you're too tired to go to bed. Yeah. So one was I focused on sleep, which I'm a huge sleep zealot. Um, one is exercise. Um, one was like it was creating outer order because that was because I really do think that certainly for me and for most people, creating outer order does contribute to kind of a sense of energy and calm. So those were some of the things I did that month. Yeah. So each month I tried to identify like three to five very concrete, manageable resolutions that I could do that would whether it was towards family or friendship or money or time. Um, that I thought might move the needle. And it was always things, I think it's important to really have things that are very concrete, because sometimes people... Like what's an example of something concrete, something that's not concrete? Okay, so sometimes people will have something like, I want to eat healthfully. That's too vague. Is it like, I want to eat breakfast, I want to bring lunch from home, I want to stop eating out of vending machines, I want to quit sugar? Like, like, what is something where at the end of the day you're like, did I do this or did I not do this? Did I eat sugar today? That I know. Did I eat healthfully? It's like... Or things like, I want to enjoy the moment. What does that mean? Mm. How do you know if you've enjoyed the moment? It's like, it can be... A little be, more specific. Right. You could say something like, I want to, you know, like some people have like a lucky time, like 11-11 or something like that. Every day at 11-11, I'm going to stop and, 
and you know just taking the world around me or whatever it is there's a million things you can do but i think it's important that you can tell if you've done them or not they have to be concrete what was the hardest one oh the thing that i think well the thing that didn't work which is like the classic advice which i'm like the only happiness commentator like to naysay is the gratitude journal i was deeply annoyed by my gratitude journal i did <laughs> not well, I just did not find that to be a helpful practice. Helpful. No. And, okay, also meditation. I've tried meditation two solid times. I mean, solid attempts. And it just does not Fellow work for upholder. me. Fellow Those are a couple of things that are hard for me, too. Have you tried them both? Yeah, I, oh, yeah. yeah. I, mean, I have a journal, and I don't I'm mean, like, I was like, oh, every day I'll write three things that yes. I'm grateful for. It's classic and advice. And I do it, like, once or twice, and I'm like, okay. Like, yes. I, I don't And then, yes. but I can tell you that journaling feels kind of good when I feel like I need to get something out. Yes. Or think things through in a more thorough way than just in my mind. Yeah. I don't mind that, but I don't want to be, it's not a regimen. It's just when I feel it's necessary. Kind of the overflow. Just, it's nice that the book the book is actually a calendar as well as the journal built in so it's really easy it's right there I'm yeah. using it virtually every day um, and then meditation I mean as far and wide and deep as I am into spirituality and all that whole world and yoga I just can't get myself to meditate Me too. this is the thing and it's like but again, I think like my whole thing, having done what I've done for the last 10 years, is like there is no magic one-size-fits-all solution. Right. We each have to figure it out for ourselves. And there are tools that are great for some people yeah. and that just don't resonate with other people. Yeah. And instead of being like, what's wrong with me? There's something wrong with me or like I need to keep trying. It's just like yeah. I gave it two good solid tries. I'm moving on. Yeah. There's other things that I want to like opportunity costs. Like yeah. there's other stuff to try. I find moving meditations to be more my thing, like going for a walk. I love going or, for a walk. Yeah, so like I was listening to one of your shows the other day while I was out for a walk. But, and I I would, just but that's not really a meditation, yeah, right? Because like it's a different... I was learning. Does that help? <laughs> no, but I don't think it's not. I mean, another problem with meditation is like now it's become so broad that people are saying that just about anything True. is meditation. Although, where I'm like, it's one thing to be a Buddhist monk who's sitting in silence and like and focus for six hours yeah that is not the same thing as somebody sitting on the subway with their eyes shut for two minutes i mean Agreed. it just isn't the same Agreed. thing Agreed. i'm not saying that it's not valuable i'm just saying Agreed. it's starting to like if i wander through the park just with my mind flowing i don't consider that meditation but i find i, I find that very refreshing i agree like a formal meditation what you're referring to i mean for me that would be I got on a pillow, pillow to sit up, sit down on the ground, yes. cross my legs breathing. correctly, hands in the right spot. Okay, thinking my about eyes. my breathing. Yep. yep. I forget Doing how. Maybe even can't, some breath work. Can't do and it. I, that that would be like proper meditation to me. Um, but okay. but I did. I was told by a Buddhist monk that my racing was probably my moving meditation. Now see, I would think that's flow, but I wouldn't think that's meditation. It's very present, and I think it's maybe that's where the maybe that's where his analysis of it came in, was that there's not a thought about the future or the past, right? right. It's far more present. So right. there's a, a flowing dance going on right. that is it's very, very present, which I think is, very, is the point of meditation to some degree. Now, am I getting downloads from guides and spirit and universe or source or God or whatever you want to call it? Yeah. No. Right. But... Am I recentering, grounding, and am I maybe adjust like working on my brain to? But I would say that that's focus. analogous to like a surgeon doing surgery. 
is a surgeon doing surgery meditating? Like, I think they're doing something highly focused. Like, this is what Mihai Csikszentmihalyi says is flow. It's like, you're not having thoughts that are, you're not consciously yourself. You're, you're kind of, it's so focused. You're at the edge of your expertise. Time kind of stops. Everything is, you know, it's, it's, an, it's an extremely intense and sort of impersonal thing. And it's deeply satisfying later. It's not even like you're enjoying it or not enjoying it at the moment because you just aren't in a place where you even are experiencing emotion, you know? Mm -hmm. I think that's meditation. Mm -hmm. But then probably there's somebody who's saying it is meditation because yeah. everybody has well, their different, different, they have their different definitions. Yeah. Yeah. What, uh, what did you, what did you hang on to the longest? Like what was the one thing you oh, did from the happiness thing. project a that you, things. Bazillion. that stuck? Hundreds, hundreds of things. We only did 12. Oh, but within each 12, there were several, and then... You then more and, lists well, within the 12? Well, there were, there were the 12 <laughs> themes, and then each one had resolutions, had like three to five resolutions. Mm. And then I wrote Happier at Home, which was like another happiness project, but focused on home. Wow. And then with Better Than Before, I was studying habits, so like I do all these... A habit that I used to have that I dropped, but I just read this fascinating book called Balance by um, McCready. So now I used to do the thing where I would try to balance on one foot, when I was going up in the elevator and on the other foot when I was coming down. And now I'm going to start doing that. I kind of got out of that habit. I'm going to start doing it What's again. What's it for? For balance. Literally. For balance. It's balance on one foot. And if you can do it, shut your eyes. That makes it a lot harder. Can you do it anytime, anywhere? Does it have to yeah, be you can. Yeah, you can. You can. But I just, for me, that's like... Because you ride the elevator. Because I ride the elevator okay. all the time. But no, you could. You could do it while you're waiting for an elevator. If okay. you worked in an office or you could do it, like, or if you walk on streets you, that have long Like you're brushing your teeth? While you're brushing your teeth, then that'd be good. I've heard a lot of people doing it while they brush their teeth, actually. And well, that kind of the motion one probably in the morning makes and the right one at night. Yeah, I always have to do them both kind of at the same time because I feel sort of imbalanced. If one, because you feel oh. you feel it. Yeah, you feel the muscle, that's, the activation it takes do. to to offset it. Well, that creates. I mean, that's. I mean, it's totally off topic, but that totally leads to injuries with people. Like they'll have like a knee that hurts, and then they'll start hobbling. Yes, and the hips get off. Oh and yeah, yeah, There's yeah, always like yeah. this uh, the referred pain. Yes, and it's going all around across yes, the body. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. Well, so I just I know I just was learning all about the vestibular, you know, oh. um, sense, and it's very important. Have you ever thought about doing um, uh, like a second phase of Happiness Project? Well, I did Happier at Home, and that was kind of a second phase. Okay. Um, was it another year? It was It was from September to, to, to May, which is the school year, which I feel like is the oh. other year. And it started oh. in September because September is sort of the other January. I think a lot of people get that feeling of sort of a fresh start in September. Yeah. It's like after Labor Day, you kind of come back, and you're like, okay, yeah. I'm back. Um, so I did that. And... Um, but this, I think my, ne my next project is going to be all about the body and trying to find happiness and kind of reach the the mind through the body talk to me now are we're you in, in my zone yeah so i would so love to, yeah to i would love to hear any of your thoughts i'm just in the exploratory phase which is why i was reading a book about balance because i'm like what about vestibular you know and like proprioception but really i'm going to focus on the big senses the, um, the, the senses we think of i interviewed uh joe dispenza mm -hmm. i don't know if you've heard of him but he talks a lot about the mind and reprogramming, reprogramming the mind. Um, there's another guy, Bruce Lipton, who talks mm -hmm. a lot about reprogramming the subconscious and um, whether it's through, there's a few modalities, but repetition's one. Yes. Um, hypnotherapy mm -hmm. and sort of uh, retraining in the brainwave states of like we're in alpha. Oh, right. Then yeah. beta is a little slower. So it's like, uh, theta. 
-hmm. and then delta like biofeedback type stuff so that theta state um mm. is the is the one where we can sort of get downloaded programs like it was interesting i was uh, talking to michael strahan and uh, mm -hmm. for a show and he was saying that he had a problem with uh finishing visually a tackle on someone and because he played football and so he went to a psychologist, and the psychologist gave him a tape. What does that mean? Finish a tackle. He was a defensive lineman. He but played defense, so he had to tackle people. But why he so said he was visualizing the tackle. Oh, oh, but like in his mind, in he, his he, mind he couldn't complete. Oh, correct. I see. Yep. Oh, interesting. Because so they tell you to do that um, to practice. Repetition, practice. In your in imagination. There's yeah. a lot with the brain that would say, yeah. from what I've learned, too, that um, from, from Joe Dispenza, that you know, and I mean, other people I'm sure have collected this information too, but that the, that the sub can't, that the brain can't tell the difference between an action that you think of that hasn't happened or has happened. Right, or that other people are doing too. Right, so if you imagine that you've done something, right. that you haven't yes. done it, the activity still registers in the body as if you Just, have. Right, it's so. It's so mind blowing. See, now that's the kind of thing that for this book, I would be like, okay, can I try that? Like I would need to think of something in my own life try. and see if I could do it. Uh, like Repetition. completing a tackle. Like I don't have yeah. something like that. Like so that's anyway, a very great example. So to finish that story, he got, went to a psychologist and he gave him a tape and he told him to play it um, when he went to bed. And he's like, what if I fall asleep? He's like, it doesn't matter. Your brain, your subconscious never sleeps. So he had his best year and he was able to visually finish tackles. So reprogramming the brain. Is this kind of what you're talking about as far well, as what I'm you're interested taking in? It even, well, I'm very interested in that. Um, I think or, I'm going to do it even more like sight, smell. I'm like obsessed with the sense of smell, mm. like those five, and then maybe pull out from there a little bit. But all these other things I'm really interested in exploring and trying to figure out kind of how to... My, oh. whole, my whole thing is like to take a gigantic subject and try to distill it down into something that's like all the interesting parts kind of crystallized yeah. and made very accessible. Well, so I have to cast a wide net. So this is great stuff. One of my favorite, uh, I wrote down my top five favorite secrets of adulthood. Oh yeah. Um, my top five favorite, but the one that um, is so true is, um, is, uh, it was, is basically about what you do every day matters more yes. than what you do sometimes. And yes. um, that, that would be like, that would contribute to yes. the, the repetition yes. to create ha habits that would make you happier, right? Yeah. Is that, I mean, Yeah. the habits are important. Habits are the invisible architecture of everyday life. Do you life. feel like that's part of um, your magic about the lists and, and addressing something so repetitiously for an entire month or for a quarter? That, I that think so. Maybe why you yeah, and I think that's why I was led from the Happiness Project into the study of habits because better than before is all about like what are the strategies people can use to make or break habits because there's there's 21 different strategies that people use effectively, mm. um, and I think it was because I was I was seeing exactly that a lot of times what you need to get the happiness benefit from a behavior it's not to do it one time anybody can do it once it's how do you do it for the next hundred years you mm. know consistently. And that's when you get into the problem of habits. And that's what got me interested in the question of like, I can do this pretty easily. Like I quit sugar overnight. Like, mm. how did I do that? Mm. Other people can't do that. Why could I do it? What was different about me? What's different about them? If they want to quit sugar in their own way, what would they do? What, what are the other things? Do they even want to? Some people don't want to. How do they see it differently from the way I see it? So that did lead me right, into, right straight into habits because so often the things that we know would make us happier 
we want to make into the habits, things like exercise or sleeping more, or meditating or not in yeah. our case or whatever. Do the habits play into the tendencies? Do they go hand in hand with instructions in the book? They do because upholders really tend to love habits and embrace them and have yeah. a lot of them. Questioners will do things if they think they make sense. They won't do something. So if, you, if, I, yeah. if I'm your doctor and I say, you need to take this medication and you're like, you know, I really don't think I need, I don't think I have a problem with blood pressure. I just won't take it. It doesn't matter that my doctor's telling you to because I haven't convinced you why. Mm. Once you're convinced why, you'll take it fine. You're not going to take it until then. Obliger, it's like, are you checking on me? Mm -hmm. If I say, like, I'm your doctor, and you know what? I get a, I get a call from your pharmacist every time you, you get that prescription refilled. So if I see that you have not need to refill your prescription, I'm asking myself, how come she hasn't been taking her medicine? She should be out by now. I'm watching you. Or I'm going to have my nurse practitioner call you and be like, Hey, how's it going? Are you doing your physical therapy? Because if I feel like you're you're holding me accountable, I'll do it. And the rebel has to do it for their own reasons. Right. They have to do it because they want to, because mm -hmm. it's their choice. They're not doing it because somebody tells them to. So a lot of times with habits, they won't even... Yeah. Like a rebel won't sign up for a 10 a.m. spin class, but a rebel might join a huge gym that has dozens of classes going at all different times. And they just show up and they're like, I feel, I'm feeling stiff. I think I'll do yoga today. I'm feeling full of energy. I think I'll do cardio. I heard that Zumba's fun and I've never actually done it. I think I'll take a class. Like they just do what they feel like. That works great for them. I would hate that. I don't like spontaneity, but that's what a rebel. So for a rebel, it's like people will try to get you to sign up for the class. It's not going to work for a rebel because they'll resist the class, but they can still exercise in their own way. So of course the happiness project, the next, the, the question that you'd, you'd want answered is like, what makes you happy? Yes. Is that a possible to even answer? It is. Okay. It's an interesting question. You can answer it two different ways. If you had to say, what is the secret to happiness? Ancient philosophers and contemporary scientists would agree that the secret to happiness is relationships. That to be happy, people have to have strong, intimate bonds. They, we have to feel like we belong. We have to feel like we can confide. We have to get support and give support. Mm -hmm. We have to feel connected to other people. And when you look at the people that are happiest, it's the people that have the most relationships. If you look and see who's happy at work, it's the person who has a friend at work. Mm. That's, that's the most fundamental. Or you could, you could approach the question in a different way, and you sort of alluded to this earlier, is you would say self-knowledge. That we can, we can only build a happy life on the foundation of our own nature, our own interests, our own values, our own temperament. Mm -hmm. And I can't hand you a template. You can't do what your parents expect. You can't do what your friends are doing and think it's going to make you happier. Mm. We each have to figure it out for ourselves. And so that's also the secret to happiness, which is self-knowledge, which is sometimes painful to confront. Sometimes we don't like what we see. How do you write a book we on different. that? How do you write a book on that? On wishing you were different? On the self-knowledge. Like, how do you write the book on the, on, the, on the fact that there can't be a book to just say this is how I you're know, happy? I know, because right? people want, like, a one-page, like, the top Of course, we want the pill, right? Well, we, we just... that's, like, with Better Than Before, that's one of the things. That's, like, there's 21 strategies in it. And people are like, 21 is too many. Give me three. I'm like, I, I can't give you three. Because accountability works really well for obligers, but it doesn't work for rebels. Mm. Or like um, the strategy of convenience works for just about everybody. Because if it's more convenient, you're more likely to do it. That works for just about everybody. But the strategy of scheduling works great for upholders. It doesn't work for rebels. Mm. The strategy of clarity is the most important strategy for questioners. For, for other people, it doesn't matter. And then there's ones that aren't even like tied to the tendencies. Like... Um, 
The strategy of the lightning bolt is a weird, I don't know if you've ever experienced this. It's when you just get a new idea or, or something happens oh. and all of a sudden you're like, I'm like, like an epiphany. Yeah. It's like, I'm pregnant. I'm going to quit smoking. And it's like overnight it's effortless or like my, I was diagnosed with type two diabetes. Everything in my life is going to change. Yeah. You know, and it's overnight. Yeah. Um, you just, it is. It's an epiphany. It's the easiest way to change habits. Often it just happens suddenly. But sometimes people don't even, they don't even really understand what's happening. Because they're like, this isn't how you people change their You can't plan for that, though. You can't. And that's what's, fr that's what's frustrating about it. People are like, this, I want this. To, how do I make myself have a lightning bolt? I'm like, the other ones are within your control. Lightning bolt is not within your control. And then and also um, first steps. Um, yeah. Or clean slate. That's when... Um, when if you have a new job, a new relationship, you move. Moving is a great time to change change habits. All old habits are wiped away, and then it's an easy time, much easier time for new habits to form. Yeah. So we don't always have a clean slate, but you want to take advantage of it when you have it, because like one when they look at people who've like quit smoking, mm -hmm. huge percentage of people who successfully quit smoking, it's because it's tied to a move of home, okay. because all your old associations are gone. Sure. So it's like, if, are you moving? Are you starting a new job? Or like, you know, do you have a new puppy? Like, this is the time. Take advantage of it. Again, it's a strategy that isn't available to everybody at all times. But if you know about it, you can exploit it when you can. How have you, um, what things have happened in your life that have allowed you to um, have epiphanies or get uh, happier or, you know, those aha right. moments? Well, I read a book called Why We Get Fat by Gary Tobbs, and that's what totally, I gave, in like 2012, and I just gave up carbs. It was just like overnight, I'm like, okay. I've had a carb since 2012. Yeah, basically. I mean, I don't, I eat a very low-carb diet. I mean, I do eat nuts, I do eat leafy green vegetables, um, you know, but. Nominal. I don't, Nominal. Yeah. Uh, so, and that happened just like effortlessly. I didn't do substitutions, I didn't do gradual change, it was just mm -hmm. like overnight. Mm -hmm. Um... That's the most dramatic one where I've had a change like that, where yeah. just overnight it changed. Do you think you have to have a certain mindset first to be open to anything changing? Is that kind of maybe even part of the the book that you want to write? Like, you've got mm. to be open, right? You can't be in a state of, oh, right. I'm not eating that. Where's my meat and potatoes? Yeah, well, you right? know, it's that old joke about... Um, how many therapists does it take to change a light bulb? Only one, but the light bulb has to want to change. Mm. So you're right. Sometimes what you, there are something I call red herring habits. And a red herring habit is when people say they want to change, but they don't. Like I remember talking to this right. guy and he's like, oh yeah, I'm going to start exercising. And just the way he said it in this flat way and like with nothing, like just floating, he's like, I'm totally going to start exercising. My doctor says I really need to exercise. My wife is really on me and my kids are really on me. I'm going to start exercising. I'm like, don't kid yourself, man. Just say, I'm like, it's better to be honest with yourself and be like, you know, right now I'm just not in a place where I'm going to exercise. Be honest, self-knowledge and say, this is just not where, but to, you're just like going to frustrate yourself and other people and you're going to end up feeling like a failure. You haven't failed. You haven't even tried. Yeah. Admit that you're not even trying. Yeah. But it's like nothing that anybody said to this guy was going to make him. Because mm. in his mind, I could just feel it in the mm. way he was talking about it. He wasn't yeah. even yearning for it. It was just, I'm going to say the words to get everybody off my back. So is it possible to crack someone, right? To crack the crack someone that's stubborn or someone that maybe someone's listening that's in a relationship and 
you know, they want to be happier and they want to create some new patterns and maybe they're in a partnership where, or in a marriage where, you know, one is really stubborn and it makes it hard to make those, to make those changes. Is it, is it possible to implement any kind of strategies to soften that person or is it, well, or is it not? Well, I think the sad truth about happiness is that the only person that we can change is ourselves. And so you can't change someone else. But it is true that if I change, a relationship changes. If I change, the the atmosphere of my household changes. And so I think sometimes you can bring about a larger change by making change yourself. Mm -hmm. But I think sometimes people, like with the Happiness Project, people are like, I really want to do this, but my partner isn't excited. I'm like, my partner's never been excited. My husband has (laughs) never done one thing. He's not interested at all. That's not the guy I married. I don't have to wait for him to get on board. Why would I frustrate myself in him? It's not his thing. Mm-hmm. Um, fine. So I just do what, but does he benefit from it? A hundred percent. Would he tell you that? Absolutely. And so I think sometimes it's almost a procrastination technique True. or sometimes it's obligers feeling like, well, I know I'm not going to be able to do it unless somebody else does it with me. Yeah. So I know I would exercise. If mm. we would exercise together, I know I could exercise, Falls but you don't exercise. Again. So I can't, I'm like, okay, we'll find somebody else. Get a dog who needs to go for a walk every day or like take your neighbor's dog or, you know, there's a million ways to get it. So I think it's a mistake to think that, um, that you need other people to come on board. Now, sometimes out of deep love, we wish people would change because they're doing something that we think is not good for them. Right. And that is very hard. Um, but, um, you know, Andy Warhol, who I think is like a brilliant writer. I don't even like his art. He's a brilliant, brilliant oh, thinker. Really? Yeah. I don't, I mean, I only know him for art. I know. Oh my gosh. He's this incredible, I've read everything he ever said or wrote. Wow. He's incredible. But he has this thing and he says it in this Warhol way, but he basically says, you know, you can't make people change. They only change when they want to change. And sometimes they die before they change. And it's like, you know, at a certain point, it's like, I can't, I can't, I can't keep you like, right. well, then- now I can support you by like, if you say things like, I don't want to, this is where it gets tricky. I say to you, I think you should eat more healthfully. And you say, okay, please don't buy ice cream. I don't like to have it in the house. I can't resist it. And I'm like, you should learn to manage yourself better. Just have a half a dish of ice cream. Or I don't understand why I should have to give up ice cream. If you can't manage yourself, it's like, do you want to be helpful? Right. Because if a person is saying to you, I can't control myself, but there's ice cream in the refrigerator, maybe you just need to say like, right. okay, I'll have ice cream right. during the day or whatever. I mean, sometimes I think people have unrealistic expectations. Or they're like, you should be able to do it the way I do it. I only have a little bit. You should be like me. Why? Like, and that's the, that's, I call that the abstainer moderator. Abstainers are people who can, are like all or nothing. They can have none or they can have a ton, but they can't have a little bit. And the moderators, they can have one square of fine chocolate or half a dish of ice cream or two thin mint cookies. I can't do that. And moderators are always telling me there's something wrong with me, you know? And it's like, it's not that one of us is right and one of us is wrong. It's yeah. just like, I can, I can have no sugar very easily yeah. or I can have a lot of sugar. I can't have a little sugar, it's too hard mm. for me. Well, making those rules, whatever it helps to implement, whether it's someone to call you at three to go to the movies or whether yes. it's not having the ice cream in the house, whatever yes. it may be, um, you know, that you have to implement whatever it takes. But I yes. think that maybe when it comes to being happy and in your scenario, sometimes there needs to be an acknowledgement for your own happiness 
someone else's happiness is not worth sacrificing your own. And I think there's like a lack of bravery perhaps at times when people don't feel like they um, want to make too big of changes because they're not sure what's going to happen, right? What yes. if things fall away? Because I, I yes. do feel like as I've evolved and changed and yes. found ways to be happier and be more myself, well, now all of a sudden my energy, my my habits, my frequency is at this in this new space now where guess what? We're not resonating anymore. Yes. And things fall away. Yes. Jobs fall away. People fall, friend, relationships, friendships. Um, they, these things fall away and change is really scary. It so is. I think maybe there's that attachment to the familiarity yes. of things, but I think sometimes we're not trying to change to, the worst. But <laughs> sometimes when people make positive change, it also makes others feel guilty or judged. Right. Um, or maybe like they lost their partner in crime. Right. Like I want you to drink cause we have right. so much fun when we go out drinking. Right. And if you're only having one glass of wine, like I've lost my drinking buddy. And it's like, well, maybe that's just not, maybe I just can't play that role for you anymore. Maybe we need to go out for brunch or maybe we need to go for a hike or maybe we're just not going to be as good of friends anymore because we've sort of... It comes of, to the concept of evolving. What it do you is, think as about you evolving? say, it can be very painful. What are your thoughts about evolving as a person? Oh, I mean, I think it's great. I think everyone, I think, you know, a key aspect of happiness is an atmosphere of growth. We're all happier when we feel like we're growing, when we're learning or teaching when we're somehow making things better, making ourselves better. But sometimes the atmosphere of growth, it's like, it can be frustrating. You can feel insecure, you can feel stupid, you don't know what you're doing, mm -hmm. it can be scary. But it's really important, I think, to have that sense of energy and vitality. Because yeah. if you're not changing, if you're not growing, you can start feeling stagnant. Even if things are pretty good and you're pretty happy, Yeah. you start to feel yeah. kind of like stagnant. Yeah. Well, you know, then there's this whole theory, too, where I feel like, you know, somebody says, you've changed, and it's supposed to be a negative. If somebody tells me, you've changed, I'm like, well, I hope so. I've been working on it. That's interesting. I feel like I'm more myself than ever and kind well, of like an almost like more myself, too much But way. it might might be a change. Uh-huh. Right? Interesting. Maybe my mannerisms change. Maybe my... Maybe the way I, maybe my lightness changes, maybe my change. hobbies even change. Yes. But maybe it's not because I'm becoming less of myself, but I'm becoming more. Yes. And in this day and age, it's just so hard to know who you are. Yeah. Do you well, think Flannery that? Well, Flannery O'Connor has this beautiful thing where she says, accepting oneself does not preclude the attempt to become better. Whoa, say that again. Accepting oneself does not preclude the attempt to become better. Mm. And I think that's right. It's like you want to accept yourself, but you want to expect more from yourself. And sometimes that means that you, that, that things are different. Um, I remember when I, because uh, I'm kind of like a, like a you know, um, tightly wound, kind of like, you know, uh, like racing dog kind of personality. <laughs> I would, I, that, that's my perception mm -hmm. of myself. I remember after I had my first daughter and I was just like, I was just overwhelmed and like just kicking back and my mother was staying with us. And she's like, I have never seen you relax like this. Right. Because I was like, I'm in a totally different state. Yeah. And that but lasted changed, like six right? weeks. But yeah, but it was but like. Usually if somebody says you've changed, they're saying it because you've, you're, however you are now makes me uncomfortable. Yes. Right. And so it's you more think there's sort the, of a hidden accusation. Of course. That's more, their ah. feeling about you is a reflection of themselves, not of you so ah. much. Like even though you've kind of evolved. Ah. Well, this it's often, that. It's not, it's not like, okay, look, you've changed. It's like, now you're a drug addict. Problem, right? That's, yeah, that's yeah, a bad yeah, change. Yeah. Or, it's gonna... a, or it's like, now you have a fancy job. 
Right, right. Or but now I'm, you don't live in our hometown anymore. Like you've got your big city ways right, or whatever. Right, yeah. right. I think that while the evolution of us as a person, there can be change in it, the accusation of changing mm -hmm. comes from someone's discomfort. So maybe the thing is to still say like, thank you thank very you. much. Thank you. That's really lovely to hear. Yeah, that is a new, that's right, that's yeah. fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> You've changed, thank you. Thank you. Reframe the yeah, 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 yeah. The, the, the accusation or the... Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, the challenge, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Because, yeah. right, you're supposed yeah. to be like, I haven't changed. But as right. you say, we want to change. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to get better every day. Yes. Writing in my journal when I can. Yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I'm trying to be spiritually more... Um, educated and learn myself better. I think one of the biggest things that's helped me become happier is figuring out who I am. But that isn't easy. So what have you done? Do you done? agree with? Do you oh, agree 100%, that it's hard I think it's to, the great challenge of our lives. Do what, you feel like you know who you are? No, I think about it all the time. Well, no, I have 12 personal commandments. The first one is to be Gretchen. And I'm always like, what does that even mean? I don't know. Right. So what have you done? Like, do you have exercises or practices or like insights that have come to you? About yeah, I would say that the, 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 the one thing that's been the most helpful for me to know who I am, and I got some insight into this a few years ago um, because I was just, I had a lot of time. That It's basically time alone. I was sort of, I was in a relationship, but I was alone a lot. Uh -huh. And I was in the middle of nowhere in North Carolina with really nothing to do and on a big giant piece of property and it was like, what do I do? And I had to, like, when you're by yourself, you're not going to do anything you totally don't want to do unless it's maybe something like clean or pick right, up right, or, you know, right. something that just kind of needs to be done around the house. Yeah. But then with the rest of your time, right. what do you do? Right. And you don't do anything that you don't want to do at all. Right. So you do stuff that you're kind of interested in yes. and that you kind of want to do. Yes. And then you're like, oh, that was kind of nice. And then you kind of, you know, find a way to maybe build it up a little bit more. So for me, it was uh, yoga. And then I, you know, got a room for it. And then I was kind of off to the side. And then I cleared everything out and made it my own room. And I called it my woman cave. And then I was like, you know, I, I don't know, I kind of like being creative. I'm going to go get some arts and crafts. And then, you know, because I had the idea, well, I kind of like maybe build something or like draw yeah. a little bit, but I didn't have anything. So I was like, well, go get a bunch of supplies so that yeah. when it strikes me, right. it's here and I can just do it. So then I had a whole bunch of arts and crafts and I got a sewing machine and all these little things started to fill in. And I realized I like doing all these things, right. but I didn't know that. Right. I didn't really know right. that this was part of who I was. I didn't really know I was that spiritual. I didn't yeah. really know that um, I liked to, you know, take long walks at the dogs and really get with my thoughts and be in nature. I didn't realize that was an important thing to me. Um, so recently I took a trip by myself for five days. And I've always wanted to take a solo trip. Uh -huh. And one of the really great revelations on that trip was I would be like, I'm like you. I feel like a race dog. I feel yeah. like, yeah. I, obviously I race, but right. I feel like a go, go, go. Yeah. Like I'm, yeah. I'm the yeah. fastest uh, walker. I'm right. in front of everybody. Right. Go, right. go, go, go. Right. What's right. next? Let's, let's, yeah. let's work hard when we're working. Yeah. And when I was there, when I was by myself, I was the one thing that was super odd to me was... I walked really slow. Interesting. And I was like, why do I walk so fast all the time? So I've been to the same place with my friends before. 
so I'm not even like taking the city into account right, or right, where right, I'm right. at. Right. I've been to the same place with friends with nothing to do essentially. Right. And I'm walking fast, leading the way. Where are we going? I'm by myself and I'm like, whatever. I don't know what I'll do today and I'm going to go here and interesting. I'm just walking much slower and oh well and stop and you know, take in the sights. Like I'm just slowed way down. And I realized that somehow when I'm with people, it makes me feel like I need to oh. prove something. Oh, so it's sort of like this, comp almost like a competitive spirit yeah. or like needing to be the leader kind so of anyway, out in front. Yeah, that's, but that's a long story to say that being alone. I find that to be the most beneficial way to know who I but am. But related to that, that's so interesting. I want to think about that more. But one of the things, advice I give to people who don't know what they want to do with their career is I'm like, well, do what you do. And I'm like, what do you do? Meaning, what do you do when you when you can choose what you do? So like a friend of mine, um, she was part of this big management program and she was offered this position where she this like could have had this great media job where she would be all, like moving between, this was when magazines were still big, mm -hmm. and she would go and be highly trained and... And she's like, yeah, I think I want to be like editor-in-chief of a women's magazine. And I was like, it's funny, I never see you read women's magazines. And she's like, well, I never read them. And I'm like, and I don't think that you'd be good at creating them. You know what I mean? Or like a friend of my, my sister who is a TV writer, she said to me, I just wish I'd watched more TV as a child. Because that's what she does now. And so I think part of it is like, what do you do in your free time? Are you making things out of arts and crafts? Are you... You know, um, somebody said that when she, uh, somebody I know who's like a TV and a TV news anchor said that she her when she was little she would pretend to have a microphone and she would sit and narrate stories looking at herself in the mirror for hours. That's probably her thing then, right? It's like what do you do? And so I think that your thing like go by yourself and just observe yeah. what happens when you're free of. The to do list and what to do list and anyone like else. are you baking? Some people would be like, of course. Uh, like a friend of mine said, oh, I had to get a summer job, so of course I went to work at a florist. I'm like, why would you, why do you say of course? She goes, well, everybody wants to work at a florist. I'm like, it's literally never crossed my mind to work <laughs> at a florist. I mean, right? But you think, you think, you think other people would automatically make the choices you would. I assure you, 95% of people would not be like, why don't I do some yoga? Some people would, yeah. but most people that wouldn't be on the top five of their list. Yeah. Or maybe they'd be like, I should do yoga. I have all this time, I should do yoga. They'll do it one time and then not do it again, you know? So you're right. That's how you figure it out. What do you do? What have what has led you to any any conclusions about yourself? Like, who is Gretchen that you know so far? Well, one of the things that I think is harder for me is to let go of all the things I wish I were. That's what I would call the fantasy self. So, like, mm. in my mind, like everybody loves music. I'm not that into music. Mm. Everybody loves food. I'm just I'm not that into food. Like I don't really care. I like diner food the best mm, fun. so you know I'm not that into food like if I were on a trip by myself I probably wouldn't go to restaurants oh wow dining I like alone, eat I like dining eat out alone of a whole was food. a little different I would just like eat from a whole food like I just I'm not that into food and yet I see that it's so it's like this rich vibrant part of culture and mm -hmm. people love it and it brings people together and it's fun and it's exciting and it's interesting and it I'm not that into food um you know I don't like games I mean, I don't even like a game like Scrabble. Um, I just don't like games. Um, and I, I just sound like such a killjoy. But the, I have a pretty killjoy personality. Well, it's okay to know what you don't want. 
Yeah. I mean, it's like in racing, we go. would when we'd go when we'd test different setups and things like that. You, it was beneficial to know what you don't like to do, and yeah. what, aka what you, what changes didn't work. Yes, and you don't do them again. Right. Like if you're you, you're probably not going to enjoy a trip to. Um, uh, you know, Napa Valley to go like hundred percent tasting no. wine and yes. eating food because no, no, you're no. like I just don't really care. I know. Yeah, I know. I know. See? Right. So you at least you know. At least. I but know. it is important to know what you do like. Oh well. So here's a good example, and this is part of something I did for the Happiness Project. Is I realized that this was a long time ago, and at this time, nobody really talked about children's literature. Since then, there's been Twilight, Harry Potter, <laughs> yeah. Hunger Games. So now a lot of people give a lot of credit to children's literature, but at that time. No adults really talked about reading it, but I love children's literature. I've read it my whole life, hmm. children's literature and young adult literature. And I realized I always thought it sort of didn't fit with the personality I wanted to present to the world, which was very mm. sophisticated. I love well, to read. To I read Yale it. And, I, I read you know. a ton. I, I think of myself as a very sophisticated reader. You but are a big reader. Yeah, I'm a big reader. And when I saw and, you, what you read three books in like a day or a week or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but but. I, I, but I never talked about my love of children's literature and young adult literature because I felt like it didn't fit. Like, but I'm like, I don't have so many things that I love that I can toss one away. And so I started thinking about, well, could I have, I'm in a book group, a regular book group. I'm like, well, could I have a children's literature reading group? Could I find other adults? You should write children's literature. Well, see, it's very different. I'm not a novelist. I like to read it, but mm. just like I like to read novels, but I don't want to write them. <laughs> Um, and people are like, do you read it with your children? I'm like, not really. So it's part this of your is... joy. So it's something that just brings you happiness. Yes. And so, but the funny thing is, is once I sort of proclaimed it, then I found all these people in the world oh. who also love it. And they are all like super bookish, writerly people. And it ended up being the most networky thing I could possibly have done yeah. with a bunch of people who we got together because we love children. Like these are the people who want to talk about Harriet the Spy for like two hours. And, um... It's not for everyone, but it's brought me so much joy. And all the mm. people in the group say it's one of the things that makes them happiest because it's like, it's something that not everybody shares. What a great story, though, yeah. to say something that was uncomfortable or you thought people would yeah. judge or would yes. take away from you in some Had way in your education. And, 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 and all of a sudden it brought you, that truth, there's so much power in truth. There's so much power And there's in so truth. much authenticity in truth. Yes. And it's the whole, your vibe will attract your tribe thing, you know? Oh, I've never heard that phrase. Really? Oh. That's so great. I'm collecting yeah. proverbs like this. Your vibe will attract your tribe. I love your vibe that. attracts your tribe. That's and so true. you did that. And yes. I, but not everyone. That is very true. It's a That's great exactly what example to me. of being brave enough to just be who you are and be honest no matter what your... You know, I used to say to myself in past relationship that, you know, like I used to say being very spiritual and hippie was just weird. And my friend kept telling me, she's like, it's not weird. She's like, you think you're on an island, but you're not. You're going to realize that there's a whole lot of people think just like you. And sure enough, as soon as I was able to be more myself in that way, they were everywhere. Oh, interesting. So we're sometimes not comfortable with these things because they're in, they we somehow feel insecure about them. Yeah. But our but if it's our truth, I feel yeah. like it's always going to be respected. I think that's right. I think that's right. And I think people do have a lot more. Either they're not interested because it doesn't resonate with them, or maybe or you find that you have all these secret. Mm -hmm. 
um, com, you know, compatriots who sure. are, you know. Yeah, you had no idea that you had something in common with someone right. well, that like, it was so deep or somebody that you didn't even think you liked yeah. and you're like, oh man, you're that, into no, that? Right, Hello. Yes. Yeah, well like, I, and I go through sort of obsessions, like I was really interested in color and all these people are like constantly sending me stuff about color. I went through this thing like I was obsessed with the life of Dolly Parton. I'm not even that interested in her music. It's like Andy Warhol. I don't care about his art. Um, but I was obsessed with sort of like her her character. Mm. And because and now all these people are constantly sending me stuff about Dolly Parton because they're like, I know you're really into Dolly Parton. I love Dolly Parton too. And I'm like, it's so fun. I have like the world is my research mm. assistant. It's like I don't miss a thing wow. in these like weird little things that I track. Because... You're also really instant into Winston Churchill. Oh yeah, I right? read a biography of Winston Churchill. Yes, I that's. Love I mean, I, I wasn't even going to necessarily ask about that because I, I don't, but I would just love to know a quick like what is so fascinating about Winston Churchill. Think about Winston Convince Churchill. Convince me. Sell me. Winston Churchill is the most fascinating person who ever lived. I mean, and I wrote my biography thinking there's all these like nine volume and it's like, it's too much for the average person. I'm like, <laughs> my book is like the one that's meant to be like the gateway drug where you read this and you're like, okay. okay, now I'm ready for the two volume. Now I'm ready for the nine volume because he's just so fascinating. Think about Winston Churchill. He held every position. He was involved in everything of importance. He knew everybody. He was part of everything. He is so he was part of everything that happened during his lifetime in just an, an unbelievable way from the time he was very young to the time he died he he's a brilliant writer i mean just as i learned so much from studying his writing let alone all his statesmanship which is mm. like okay that's somebody's career he's this magnificent writer like i learned so much just about um construction and like how to present things and also, you know, World War II is endlessly fascinating. The stakes were so high. The numbers were so huge. The situations were so immense. And Churchill really grasped the magnitude of it and the monumental nature of the time. And he really embraced it in a way that's very kind of hard to wrap your mind around. He really loved a war in a way that is interesting to me. He was very sad. Mm. He, he said, um, like, after, after the war was over, he was saying to one of his advisors, he goes, well, you know, we can't have a war all the time. You know, because he loved kind of the, just the intensity of it and the, the drama of it and the his, historic nature of it. So it was very sweeping imagination. Saying that it's not sustainable. We can't have a war all the time. Uh, no, yeah, you can't or that have a war the fun all the time. Gone. Yeah, no, well, it's, I mean, you kind of have to see it from his perspective. I mean, he really, I, it, it is interesting. And the thing is, it's funny because my, my biography, the way I approached it was like, it's called 40 Ways to Look at Winston Churchill. So I look at him in all different ways. Mm. And so like the first chapter is like a short biography of Churchill that's all positive. And then I go through and I tell the very same story. It's all perfectly factual, and it's like the very negative. It's like if you're really going to emphasize the dark side, yeah. the negative side, the imperialism, the warmongering, the impulsivity, like all these kinds of things, it's all there. It's all true. And so the whole every chapter looks at him from a different angle. And so sometimes people would email me, and they're like, you said all these great things about Winston Churchill, but what about this? What about this? What about this? I'm like, you're quoting from my book. I wrote about those negative things about Churchill. I know them perfectly well. I put them in there. Because what I wanted to capture was that no one's all, he was not all hero. He, he was also did a lot of, you know, um, things that we would criticize him for. Um, so we all have to kind of make up our own mind about how do we come out in the balance. And so, you know, in the end, I say, here's my Churchill. 
Um, but I have fun like showing all the different ones that you could. That you Your could passion think. for Winston Churchill has me sold to just read. The, oh, it's the, short. The it's a super book. fun book, and it, he is. I'm not a big history so buff, like as in I'm not even that interested in history. But sometimes there's some magic in in just starting to understand the human nature of someone. Well, and he's their such a gigantic figure. Yeah, yeah. Such a gigantic. Figure. Okay, we'll I have to read it. Um, okay, so I want to talk about my favorite, my top five secrets to adulthood. Okay, yes. And I kind of wanted to hear what your, like, what your favorite secrets to adulthood were. Okay. I love these. Um, it's okay to ask for help. Yes. Why is that so hard? Why is that so hard? So hard. We're Pride. most helpful, helpless when we, real, when we think that there's no help. If you're not failing, you're not trying hard enough. Very true, right? Enjoy the fun of failure. Well, it means you probably set your goals high enough. That, yes. You know, right? Uh, I, yes. I, always, I, say, I always say and say to myself and say to anyone else when there's a contemplation of what to do next or um, basically a way to grow, really, and that's that you don't grow from your comfort zones. Right, yes. And you're going to fail if you're not in your comfort zone probably because you're yes. not going to know how to do it. Right, exactly, exactly, exactly. And you see other people's successes and you don't see their failures, so you don't realize how often other people are failing. So true. So true. We see the highlight reel. Yeah, we do. And we see the things that are working. You know, you don't see the things that aren't working. Yeah, there are a lot of people that um, I interviewed, John Paul DeJoria, who started Paul Mitchell and Patron and various other companies. But in the conversation, so it sounds like he, you know, yep. you're like everything he does that, it turns to gold. Yeah, right. And he's like, I've had tons of failures. And you're like, wow, you know what? It, 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 that's right. Like you, you just don't focus on those things. Right. But There's a great podcast called Without Fail. Mm. And he interviews people who have had spectacular failures and it's Sounds it's like really interesting one. uh you also learn a lot about a person when there's failure uh, and yourself uh you don't have to be good at everything yes that's, i try that's very helpful do you try not anymore i'm like i'm gonna let some things go i think to do some things well you have to do some things badly i've I'm growing to enjoy um, not being good at a couple of something, or actually not not to enjoy it, but to acknowledge what I'm not good at instead of trying to cover it up yes. or pretend like I'm good. Yeah. Like for instance, when it came to doing this podcast, uh, one of my ideas for something to do after my career was I was like, I love cooking. I have a cooking show. I did a couple cooking shows, and you're in a place with no windows, and it's all very programmed and you know there's like the cooking is actually a byproduct of like whatever the concept of the show is and things whiz by and I was like I can't be the bubbly person that's on TV I'm like mm. I'm serious and so I just realized like let it go let it go Danica you're not that person interesting you're this person but guess right. what they're not this rather person than trying either. to change yourself and beat yourself up yeah I realize just... I'm just not I'm not happy-go-lucky enough to I like that you say you're TV. serious yeah because yeah. that is one of these words that people are like, they don't use that to describe themselves that much. Mm, I know. I'm That's saying. interesting. And then we covered it. What you do every day matters than yes. what you do once in a while. Absolutely. Yeah. What do you do once in a, what do you do every day now that you didn't do every day that has made a big difference? I get up every day at six. I really do feel like that helps me sleep better, like fall asleep faster and like, um, even like if I go to the West Coast, if I'm only there for a couple of days, I'll try to stay on East Coast time. Mm. I mean, eventually the sunlight will move you forward. But mm. um, so I get, I mean, it's Christmas Day, it's Sunday, it's 
a holiday. Like, why do I you get, feel like that makes you? Well, feel part that? of it is. Well, I think the regularity helps me just like fall asleep. I hate to like toss and turn, so I like. I think it makes it easier for me to fall asleep, but also like I love the early morning, and so I don't like giving it up. And I mm. finally realized like I. It's not just that I want. It's like. I really like that. I don't want to. I don't want to forego it. It's like it's more fun to get up and enjoy the morning than it is to sleep late. I love the quiet. Right. I love I the like quiet. When people aren't up. Here. I know. I love it, get especially in New York. Like there's no traffic, and like That's when I walk my dog, it's very quiet, and I just like being in the quiet. So being in the city all week, I, yeah. The 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 third floor room, it isn't quiet until six in the morning. Like six to seven, I'm like, oh god, what am I supposed to get up? I've wanted to work out. Right. Um, but six to seven, it seems like it's quiet. So yeah, I like that. Thing. Um, ha- this one I love because I've just been in situations where I'm guilted or feel like I need to do a better job in this area. But when I read this, I was like, yes, 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 yes. Cause you're working off of your intuition, your gut feeling and your belief that something is going to work. And that's most decisions don't require extensive research. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I loved that one. Well, it's also like sometimes people just tie themselves up in knots and you're like, there's no wrong decision here. Or, you know, I mean, yeah, we just, you can just move ahead and you can just know what, you know, just go with it um, because you can spin your wheels and spend a lot of time on things. I realize this, um, and maybe you've experienced this too, like I'll work with people like I have to redesign my website every couple of years, which is like one of the things that I dislike doing the most. It's very hard. And I used to really get in the weeds and like, you know, tinker, tinker, tinker. And then finally I'm like, I have a delegate. I have a great team. They know what they're doing. The changes I make are so minor. They really are insignificant. I'm spending a huge amount of time and energy on something. It's not moving the needle at all. It's really dis- distracting me from things that are much more high value for me. These are decisions that don't, like, they've already, they know what they're doing. They're trained. I don't have to do extensive research on to, like, should we use this size circle in the bullet or this size circle in the bullet or I don't like that shading. It's like, okay, it's fine. Like I call that diminishing returns on my investment yes, of time. Exactly. I can accomplish yes. a lot more by doing something yes. else than trying yeah. to comb through something that's already been combed through. Right. Well, and it's like the, the, sake of it. the um, don't rearrange the deck chairs on the Titanic. It's kind of like <laughs> the positive version of that. It's like it's our, the, the plane is already going to take off. Yeah. It doesn't matter yeah. if you change the color of the bathroom, yeah. you know, like tile. Yeah. Do you have some favorite secrets to adulthood? Or maybe even some like new ones. Oh, like, well, see. Like he, okay. One? So funny thing is I now I'm doing this giant project, which is kind of a side project from my main book that I'm writing. But it's all about aphorisms. So secrets of adulthood. Secrets What's of aphorisms? So an aphorism is like, those are really, I would now call them aphorisms. Um, so an aphorism is a truth. It's like a general truth that's sort of um, pithily explained. So what you do every day matters more than what you do in law. That's an aphorism. Um, so now I'm like trying to generate these all the time. I want to do a whole collection. So, mm. but I'm trying, so I have like a million. Let me think of my, some of my favorites. One of mine is red is the salt of color. What does that mean? You have to think like, it's like, it's like, it's the, it's the thing that you add to like light. Oh it up. You yeah. You know, but too much yeah. is not good. Yeah. Um, yeah, what's another like, one? Okay. Um, that, that took a lot of thinking and I, um, I'm kind of embarrassed, but 
It's my truth. Okay, here's one that's not very well said, but I think it's very true. Because I'm always categorizing things. Like you're an abstainer or a moderator, or you're an upholder, a question applies to relevant. People are like, what about categories? So categories lack the precision of continua, but they're simpler to understand and therefore more powerful in the mind. Wow, I feel like, um, could you say that one more time? Categories lack the precision of continua, but they are easier to remember and therefore more powerful in the mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Okay, like, let me think of some other Something ones. Something very identifable then, yeah. Um, oh, uh, why put a strong lock on a weak door? Mm. The most significant link in the chain is the weakest because it's the one that can break the chain. Yeah, that's great. That's a great one. So, um, anyway, so I'm like trying to, and, and yeah. also I'm collecting what I would call proverbs of the professions, which is like, you spot it, you got it. Or like somebody, so somebody who was a cheesemonger and like a wine specialist said, things that grow together, go together. Yeah. Or like my father um, said of a judge, if he'll do it for you, he'll do it to you. So do you have any proverbs of the it. professions for, for any, like anything, any proverbs that you can think of? Oh gosh, now I'm like. Oh. Like your vibe attracts your tribe. That's a great proverb. Um, uh, let's see. I mean, I would call, like, for me, I like mantras. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like just things that I repeat yes, yes. to myself. Um, I mean, I, 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 like, the young ones for me were, like, carpe diem, what, yeah. kill you, what doesn't kill you sure. makes you stronger. Oh, that's, yeah, um, that's I mean, those are pretty traditional. Yeah. Um, uh, I'll thank myself tomorrow. <laughs> yes, that's a good one. That's a very um, upholdery one. Yeah, right? I'm like, if I don't eat that cake, I'll thank myself tomorrow. I yes. always do. Uh, let's think. I'm on the spot now. I know they're hard. They're like flashcards that it's hard to bring it up. It's more like they come up in context. Yeah. So I'm trying to like be listening to them. I say all try the harder time. all the time. Um, that's just words, but uh, try harder. Um, uh, I can't think of any more off the top okay. of my head. I feel I wish I had some. No, like, but like the you, vibe and the trap, like that just came out. So I'm like I, I'm constantly listening for people to um, yeah. like. What was another one? Somebody just told me the other day. That, oh. Um, uh, someone was saying, uh, the, a teacher was saying that one thing they say is children save the drama for the mama. But I'm only saying the rhyming ones because those are sort of easy to remember, but a lot of yeah. the proverbs of Prussians uh, don't. Like finance people say don't try to catch a falling knife. Um, a rising tide rises, raises, yeah. lifts all boats. That's I don't know if this one I'd say don't, don't confuse effort with accomplishment. Ooh, that's a good um, one. Uh, Permission, no. Ask forgiveness. Uh, patience, not permission. Oh, what is I've heard ask forgiveness, not permission. What's patience, not permission? Well, if someone is working on something, and then you give, you have patience for them. But there has to be a some point in time where you identify when you're just giving them permission to act like they are. Ooh, ooh interesting there's a difference between it right permission is allowing you to do something but I am allowing you to do something during my patience but if I don't see progress so there could be another P in there it could be like um, patience not permission during progress or something patience something like oh, that yeah, but yeah, patience yeah, 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 patience yeah. not permission for sure that's just for people like interesting yeah all right, well, I came up with something, okay. <laughs> well, then, I'm thinking, I have an aphorism that's something like inattention fosters, it's, I said it better than this, I hope, but it's something like inattention fosters wrongdoing. Because I think sometimes when people feel like they're getting away with something, they'll do it more. 
yeah. And the more they get away with it, Ooh, the worse yeah. they get. Well, that's the permission. And it's the permission. And it's like, I'm not giving you permission. And at mm -hmm. some point, that hammer is going to come down. Yeah. But the inattention has basically led them into wrongdoing. Mm. But I hadn't thought about it. patience, not permission. Okay, I want, that's a good one. Oh, thanks. Yeah. I appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. Well, I always like to ask my final question, just ask yeah. what your greatest life lesson has been so far. It's got to be that there's no magic one-size-fits-all solution. We all have to figure it out for myself. I need to be Gretchen, and everybody has to substitute their own name because there isn't just there isn't a... There's not like the seven bullets that are going to do it for everyone. Some people should stay up late and some people should get get up early. And, you know, I mean, some people start working early and, you know, and then other people like to work against a deadline. Some people want more adventure in their lives. Some people want more routine. Um, some people love to travel. Some people love to watch movies. I mean, it's just everybody's got to figure these things out for themselves. Go we all have to. Out. Got to figure yourself out. Yes. Well, thank you for giving us so many books to help do that. You're, I, we didn't talk about it really much, but the Outer Order, Inner Calm is oh, your new book. Yes. Which, you know, I, 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 I actually, I was told this. I'm actually fairly organized, but ah, it does feel good. So it feels good. There's some magic in it. There and, is. And uh, I think that that's a wonderful recommendation for people to. Um, something that's a tangible thing. Yes, right? it like is. Like you said, it's not something general. No. Like, I want to eat You can better. get it done in an afternoon. You can have massive yeah. progress. It's very exciting. Well, in half an hour, you can have massive progress. That sounds like a magic pill to me. It is. <laughs> it is. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you. It's so fun to talk to you. Thanks, everybody, for listening to the Pretty Intense podcast today. I hope you enjoyed it. If you like what you heard today and you want to hear more, please click on the subscribe button.